0: Welcome back to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your hosts speaking, Frank. This episode is sponsored by Valor Supplements and No Matter What Apparel. Let's give back to first responders who give back to us. Both companies are owned by first responders. Visit www.valorsupplements.net. and all caps, use the code RFR20 for 10% off your total purchase. Visit www.nomatterwhatapparel.com. And in all caps, use code inside the code LAB for 10% off your total purchase. Again, thank you to both companies that support first responders and our mission. In Season 4 of Episode 5, myself and Jay got to sit down and speak with pro-strong woman Leifa Ingels. All I can say is, gear up and get ready to go through a dark forest. Leifa opens up about what the dark forest means to her and how she got through it. In other words, it's the labyrinth. Again, thank you to all of our listeners, and thank you, Leifel, for coming on the show. If you guys have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to myself and Jay. And thank you for supporting our mission and supporting the podcast. Be safe and have a great weekend. And
1: we're live. Welcome back. Season 4. Episode five of Inside the Labyrinth podcast. I'm ready. It's been a while. Got a great guest today. Very excited. Same sport that uh, I just started. She's definitely much stronger than me, so I can't wait to learn. You
2: didn't tell me that you just started strong, man.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, back in like uh, December, January. Oh, she's going to walk off. She's walking (laughs) off the show. Before we introduce her, as you guys already heard, I'm going to kick it over to my man the one and only the Jumpman Jay.
3: Hey, it's uh, it's Jumpman i I'm here with my boy Frankie V uh, inside the Labyrinth podcast. Uh, it's been quite the journey. We've had some phenomenal guests and um, I'm always excited for the guests that Frankie manages to get. So as you guys know, Frankie's like the booking agent of the podcast and uh, hey. he's got um, starlight quality when it comes to booking talent. So um, without further ado, I'm gonna let Frankie bring in the guest.
1: Starlight, I like that. I just finished the Boys season two. Highly there recommend the Boys; great show.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to start it.
1: So, episode five. Welcome, uh, Leifa Ingles. How you doing? Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, how are you doing right now? Kind of where your feet are, and how's today
2: treating you? Um, I'm doing pretty okay. I think, like a lot of people, been through uh, a lot of interesting emotions in in recent weeks and months, and but I'm kind of feeling like coming out in back into the light, coming back into myself and feeling pretty good. Today's a pretty nice day so far. It's early for me. It just started.
1: Well, good morning. Thank you for hopping on. We appreciate it. So we're going to kick off of uh, kind of how Leifa was in high school. Did she have fun? Any sports? Was she lifting? And kind of How was your high school experience overall good bad kind of eh
2: high school experience overall definitely not good um I wasn't someone who really enjoyed uh socializing in high school I was definitely not what I would consider like popular um or even like really social I didn't play any sports um that one's always a surprise um I didn't play any sports as a kid. Um, didn't really get into it. I, for a lot of different reasons, um, in high school I started to sort of take an interest in sports, but at that point it was like too late. Um, it, it was too late to like try to become an athlete. You know, trying to compete and or, or participate in sports in high school. Most athletes were already like at a certain level, um, so it's not really something that I could get into. So I think I started my first like interest in the gym uh when I was probably 14 so probably around my freshman year in high school um and but it was definitely not really like athletically minded at this time I had no idea I was gonna like be a lifter or an athlete of any kind um I got into lifting in the gym just because Well, like the same, because every other, you know, teenage girl, I was like really insecure about my body and I thought I needed to like, you know, work out and try to be skinny and stuff. So I started going to the gym. Um, And when I did go to the gym, the only thing I really liked doing was, was lifting weights. And definitely at that point was still like, in my mind, I wasn't supposed to. Right. Like I wasn't yeah. supposed to lift weights because this this idea that like, you know, if if I lift weights, I'm just gonna like turn into a, a big jacked bulky dude and be and be <laughs> a hideous stigma. as a teenage girl. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> like stigma, um yes. I definitely think that's maybe like where it started, like my interest and enjoyment of doing it. And I really, you know, I liked lifting, but I was weird about it because like even then I remember I I only did like legs. Um and like certain groups because like I have wide shoulders, right? And I was like insecure about like my shoulders are are wide. So I was like, well, I don't want them to get bigger. So I like never did any arm movements or anything because I was like oh, afraid. Man. Um but this was also like, you know, I, I wasn't like super consistent. It was just probably where like the idea for lifting and enjoying it, and the idea that like, you know, I liked resistance training and I liked feeling strong. Um, but I never got into it consistently. Really, actually, until after college. Really. Yeah, yeah.
3: Why so late?
2: Um, mostly just because I ne- that was when I finally got to a point where it was something I actually like wanted to do consistently. Um, so I mean, since we're probably kind of going there anyways, like my personal life, my home life was was really chaotic. Um, when I was young, so I didn't really get a lot of you know, I didn't really get the opportunity to sort of like focus on something that I wanted to do for myself and focus on doing something consistently until I was away. Um, and most of my college years were, you know, I was, you know, my, my academic load was pretty high. And then I was working like almost full time the whole time I was in college. So it was just something at the time where I was like, that'll be really cool. But like, I don't have the time right now. I'll get into it later.
3: Gotcha. Um, Would you, um? what college did you go to? And what was your major?
2: Uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara, okay, um, and which was was very nice, very nice. Um, and I majored in biopsychology.
3: Wow. Okay. So yeah, I can understand that academic workload being a little intense.
2: Yeah, and and in retrospect, you know, knowing what I know now about what lifting does for me, and and you know, not just like structure wise, but also in terms of you know, stress release and, and and feeling good. Like I wish I would have known that sooner, but uh, you know, I, I would have probably done it and it probably would have helped me with all of those things. But at the time in my younger years, I was like, I'm too stressed. I'm too busy. I don't have time for that stuff right now.
3: Yeah. And that definitely would have helped out that uh, it would have helped the stress mitigation. Um, it's actually funny that you bring that up. So so now you're in college, right? And you know you you have, you have this crazy workload. When did you when did you figure out that it was something like lifting was something that you wanted to be a staple in your life? Um, At what point did it just did that light bulb go off?
2: So there was probably I don't know there was probably a few moments that came together. Um, and actually, I think that that's interesting because. Um, you know, and not that everyone, everyone has a different story, but my experience, most people have like some experience with athletics, some experience with lifting, um, and they just like it and it's cool and they want to be strong and don't really learn about like the health benefits or, you know, mental health benefits until later. Um, but that was actually, so, you know, not that I wasn't interested in lifting or athletic stuff. I just didn't really do it that much. Um, but You know, in in school, the stuff that I studied. So, biopsychology is psychology, but it's from the like the biological perspective, like studying what you know the what is happening in your systems that corresponds with certain behavior. So, in my like you know nerdy pocket, I was learning. So, I was like learning this stuff in school about how physical activity, but specifically resistance training was responsible for all of these like neurological adaptations and things that, that basically make you more effective and, and, and smarter in a way. Right. So yeah. I'm learning about that from the, from the book aspect. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Like this stuff is really great. I really need to do this. Like, I really need to start doing this. Like it's actually really going to be great for my brain, you know? Mm-hmm. So um in a really nerdy and roundabout way. I was learning about those aspects from like an academic perspective. And I was like, okay, I need to like make time for this and actually like do it. Um, so I had probably, I had started going to the gym. We had like a really nice gym at the university. So like I would go there and use it when I could and, and, and lift. But again, I wasn't really like competitive. I wasn't really consistent and really know where I was progressing. Um, and then once I finished once i finished college um, i joined a crossfit gym at, uh what crossfit gym uh i don't even know if it's still around it was called Arrow crossfit
3: Arrow crossfit um, okay
2: so uh it's a, a smaller crossfit gym in in southern california near la um and so i joined a crossfit gym and that was sort of my my like first introduction into like lifting culture um and which You know, we we could could laugh or argue about whether or not CrossFit counts as lifting culture now, but at the time, that was it. It it counts. It counts. It counts. counts.
3: It's. You got to give us a little credit. It's all in fun.
2: Um, No, I gave you guys (laughs) lots of credit because and and that's that was my introduction. You know, so CrossFit was was where I got introduced to um, you know all the barbell lifts and Olympic lifting and eventually strongman. Um, So once I started actually like once i i joined that gym i actually started training consistently that was the first time i was like you know in the gym multiple times a week and actually getting to a point where i could like see my strength progress um and once i once i got into that after a few months like that's when it really bit and i was like okay this is awesome because i just started to notice like like i just love feeling strong i loved how awesome it made me feel it made me feel like i could do anything else um, now um
3: i just because you have some some like legit numbers did you always have like a good strength baseline or was that something that just kind of came with being in the gym and and you know just consistency because some people can just walk in and have it you know like some people are just naturally strong like I don't know if you were a child picking up like little tonka trucks or something but (laughs) most Uh... most people who are strong have been strong their whole life they then when they start to hone in on having like uh, uh you know a program and then consistency and then all of a sudden the gains go through the roof
2: yeah i think it's 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 a little of both um i definitely have you know a lot of the the peak numbers that i reach like i i have to get there through training like my my base level of strength like without training there's a big difference um like i'm a really big peaker when it comes to competing and stuff like that but Now, in retrospect, knowing what I know, I definitely probably have a little bit of of a natural advantage as well, because I, you know, when I first started lifting, you know, I was like, oh, is this how you do it? And of course, my numbers weren't really great. But with, you know, within only like a few months of training, I was numbers that are not amazing, but people like, okay, that's that's pretty strong. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, So a little of both. I don't I don't know though, because when I was younger, I wasn't really doing anything to like test or prove my strength. So I don't know how much I was in there, but Yeah, I mean,
3: some like so for me when I when I started doing um, uh, I've always lifted. You know, so I had an uncle that was a bodybuilder. So I would go to his house and I'm like the seven-year-old kid that's like curling um dumbbells, right? So I I think I've always was active, I always was lifting weights. It's not until I think um my early Cause like, I mean, I, like I lifted in high school, but we all lifted at the PAL. So it was just a bunch of kids just trying to get like abs, big chest and shoulders. So it wasn't really, there wasn't a bunch program of nobody was following them. Yeah, that's it. Like we were in there <laughs> just fooling around and then, you know, dude started to see muscles, girls like muscles. So we're going to keep lifting, you know, um, there was no set program that we were following. So when I, when I first started CrossFit, I was probably one of the stronger guys because I had that that, that baseline, the only thing I couldn't really do well was the Olympic weightlifting that had to, cause that's a technique. But if it, when it came to, to bench dead and like squatting, I had decent numbers already. So it was just having that baseline from, you know, being a kid, being active and lifting weights. I kind of walked in and then, you know, they were like, oh, this kid's pretty strong. But then you put me in a Metcon and I was like, you know, seven minute window and then I was done. So I had to start to work the weaknesses there. So some people are just more geared towards just being strong i think because I, I, I i'll tell you this right now like I'd rather lift weight than run a marathon or or like go go on a bike and and, and bike like 50 or 60 miles or something like that I don't think I was designed to do long distance endurance sports like I'm just a fast twitchy explosive mm-hmm. guy and I'm good within like a 10 to 12 minute window of like max effort and then I want to chill out and sit somewhere so it's like w- w- when i hear you talking, um kind of reminds me a lot of myself um because i just naturally had a knack for like lifting weights i mean i don't if if collectively i I think you're a lot stronger than i am (laughs) but but, um i mean that's because this is what you do you know what i mean so um for me it's just i'm just trying to stay um you know functionable and you know gas station ready as i like to say because you know my job at the drop of a dime i have to you know perform a task and i want to be in peak position uh peak physical um shape to to be able to do that so um when like just listening to you just reminds me a lot of myself just kind of like doting around in the gym and then just figuring out like oh shit, i'm kind of strong i don't want to stick with this so i mean yeah, i think just... frankie can probably attest to the same thing frankie's a pretty strong guy himself over there yeah,
1: gas station ready. I like that. Um,
3: a station ready, Josh Bryant. Yeah, gotta be ready, bro.
1: 2 a.m. You're filling up the gas tank, and some guy comes over to you, drunk as hell, trying to, you know, you never know, you know. And, and I, I kind of like the what you talked about the mind. You know, it's like, well, in high school, I was like 150 pounds senior year, like McLovin looking motherfucker. So, you know, I, I uh, <laughs> definitely wasn't strong, but um, I think that that mental mindset, uh, you know, times 10 for me where, you know, especially when, you know, when we uh, playing college football and then getting into powerlifting was just that mental aspect of picturing myself always on the platform, picturing, like if I had a heavy deadlift day on Friday, I was thinking about that like to Friday before, you know what I mean? And keep like replaying that like a script in my head and like, you know, that that powerful, positive image of achieving it before it happens, kind of like how Brian Shaw on there and Eddie Hall, a lot of the big lifters, you know, That psycho psychoanalyst game um but what year what what uh what years were you in what year did you graduate high school were you in high school uh
2: i graduated high
1: school 2006 so 2002 to 2006 so when you were doing like you i was kind of laughing like i was just doing legs what were you looking at like program-wise or kind of did you were you following anybody or you're kind of just reading magazines uh, or at that time no. bodybuilding.com like, <laughs> like, you know back then just that's like muscle there. and
3: fitness mag and stuff like right. that it wasn't really it wasn't
1: I'm, that big now. i'm picturing you like in the gym at the high school gym and stuff and then like going in the crossfit and then like actually following a program and doing more than just legs you know
2: Yeah, no, it was like, it was, there was no program. I I had, I had no introduction even to like, you know, yeah, there was muscle and fitness era, but I wasn't even looking at that stuff either. It was just like, you know, in my head, you know, I need to lose weight or get in shape or whatever. And that's the gym is the place to do that. So I was just like that person. I like go to the gym and just wander around and look at the machines and like, Oh, it's this one. I'll try that, I guess. And then you know, was there anybody
3: like, was there any athlete that you wanted to like, look like or be like, was there any kind of, there was a, was there some kind of motivation outside of just like, I mean, not wanting to have big shoulders. Cause like, you know, you only did lower body. So I'm just trying to figure out.
2: Well, at that point, well, so at that point, if we're still talking about like high school years, that was still like, I didn't even really have any interest in being an athlete or anything, you know, like I wasn't Mm -hmm. trying to do anything with my strength. That was just, I was just there to, beat up on how my body looked. Um, you know, so I, I I didn't have any, like, there was no guidance there or like goals or anything. Um, when I did, so around like college, college years, when I started to actually take an interest in it, and I was like, okay, there's actually some, you know, there's some real merit, you know, to longevity and stuff to actually learning how to lift properly, and, and, and like gaining a lot of strength. I started looking at, uh, and and that's, and I started looking at a lot of, at the time, um, this was when like CrossFit games had just started to get a, a bit of, of news. And, and okay. so um, I was, I started to become a big fan of, of Lindsay Valenzuela. Oh yeah.
3: Um, <laughs>
2: and, right. and, know, and various other, um, you know, the, the, the CrossFit chicks as I was calling them then. And like, at that point for me, so being a teenage and then college age girl and you know, not really getting exposed to athletics, not really getting exposed to lifting strength culture, and really only seeing like, you know, girl culture at that point, which is like all you see in like, you know, women's magazines and and you know, it's like TV and models and all that stuff, like all the images of of women that I'm accustomed to are just like, you know, skinny and 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 very like feminine and pretty. Um so for me, when I first started seeing those, like the, you know, the footage of like the CrossFit games and those chicks, like in my mind, I was like, wow, they're so jacked and also amazing. And I'm like watching them and I'm like, I can't believe how cool it is that they look so powerful. Yeah. And like, that's when I started to be like, okay, I want to be like that. <laughs> like, I want to know what that feels like. And it wasn't so much what their body looked like. It was like the images, like, especially like video of like watching, you know, the Chicks at the CrossFit games, and they would go and do like, you know, a heavy clean or some kind of complex, and you see them struggle and you see them have that grit. And then afterwards, like, yeah, like yeah, they just yeah. look Super like they intense. just, yeah, like they just crushed it. I'm like, I want to know what that feels like. So
3: because yeah, Lindsay down was very, very intense.
2: Yes. <laughs> very intense. Yes. And I loved it. Yeah. I was like, whatever she's feeling, I want to, I want that. <laughs> All
3: right. I get it. I get it. So, that's when the light went on for you.
1: That's when you kind of. Is that when you made like that first time when they walked into her f- the first CrossFit uh, gym ever, like opening those doors, saying, what the hell is this place? You kind of, did you walk in because of the CrossFit games going on and you were learning f- about it in school and you're kind of just like, let me F it. Let me take a chance. Or it was, was someone like, all right, you should come in and uh, you know, check this place out and everything. Or you kind of just went on your own and said, I'm going. No, in. I
2: just, I went and, and found it. I had been like, you know, watching stuff on the internet and, and reading stuff on the internet. And I was like, all right, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. And I was like, I want to learn how, you know, I, I got to learn at least, you know, barbell lifts and, and do some Olympic lifting and stuff. So where do I find that? And so that's how I ended up at the CrossFit gym. Cause I just, you know, I Googled what's the closest place to me that I can learn this <laughs> and <laughs> and I showed up.
3: So, so how long did you do CrossFit for? And and then when did you segue into strongman and how did you find strongman
2: um so i i found strongman not entirely through crossfit but sort of um i was aware of strongman um you know even before crossfit like everyone's seen world's strongest man series and and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so i knew about it as a sport but i had no idea that it existed um on like the lower levels the amateur levels or for women um, until, until I I got into CrossFit. Um, and I think I probably, so I was, it's a good question. I have to remember. So it was probably, it was not long. So once I started, uh, getting consistent and like interested in CrossFit within, you know, a matter of months, I started to, I started to sync up a lot of the, the knowledge and information I had about body stuff from, school, um, you know, with how it relates to training. So I didn't really start the journey planning to become a trainer either. Um, but once I got really into it, I was like, okay, this, you know, all this information that I have already intersects with this. And this is sort of a great fit. Um, so I just kind of dove in really quickly and, and didn't stop learning everything, uh, was probably about, it was probably like, so only maybe like a year or two. Um, before I saw, yeah, it wasn't very long. Um, And then I did a couple like small um, CrossFit competitions and that really got me interested in competing. Um, I was like, okay, this is, this is awesome. I love it. Got the competitive
3: juices flowing. I like it. I like it. Yeah.
2: And then I think I saw, so I knew sort of about Strongman as I started to take more interest in training Um, And this was all still just like research stuff. I'm just reading stuff on the internet, trying to get a lot of information. I started researching and learning about like strongman training techniques. And again, everything I looked at kind of goes back to like the neurological basis and like, you know, what kind of lifts give you the most activation? What kind of lifts require the most dexterity and reaction and all these things? And and strongman stuff kept coming up. So I'm like, this is, I think the more interesting part of, of training and strength building. I want to like learn more of that stuff. Um, I didn't really know where to go. And then I had this moment. So I had decided that I wanted to, to, to try and learn how to do Atlas stone stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just through research, I was like, okay, this seems really cool. I'm going to learn it. So I was looking up tutorials on YouTube for how to make Atlas stones. Yeah. Um, cause I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to need some of these, I guess. And, uh, you know those like like the suggested video section or whatever. Who who'd right? you watch?
1: Yeah. Who were you watching?
2: Um, so I think it was. So this is. I'm like trying to remember back. I think it was this girl. This girl named Talia Van Doren. She doesn't compete anymore. Um. And it was, it was an amateur level competition, but it was just like, I'm looking at the tutorial, I look over and I see this little screen cap and it's, it's a woman loading an Atlas stone and I click on it. And in the video, she's in a competition and there's people all around and they're cheering her on to do the event. And then like, that's when the light bulb went off because I was like, holy shit. Like they have a competition of this like type of events that I think are the coolest thing and women are doing it already and I was like that's it where do I how do I do this Um, and then after that I was like so then I'm googling like you know women's entry-level straw man competition like how do I do it Um, and I found my first competition that way uh, which was California's Strongest Man which was you know somewhat local it was like an hour away from where I was and at that time like I was like, okay, I can, when can I do this? Like, let's sign me up. Sure. And like the next competition was like, it was in like a few months. And then, so I just went with Uh, it. Okay. (laughs) But everything kind of follows that, that league. It's like, it's not something I always knew I wanted to do, but it was like, as soon as I saw a, a piece, I was like, okay, that's it. I want to do that. And then I just went at it.
1: So was that still, was that in college or when you, or you graduated already?
2: No, this is, this is after. Yeah. So yeah, in college, the best I did was like a few, uh, you know, a few good training days here and there. But so this was like after, after college, I joined the CrossFit gym. That was like 2012. Okay.
0: 2011,
2: 2012. Okay. That's kind of around
3: around the same time where I started CrossFit, like 2013, 2012, actually when I started CrossFit.
2: And then I think, uh, oh, 2013, 2013 was when I found that competition. And then, because it was March, 2014 was the first contest that I did.
1: Uh, okay. Fun. Okay. Yeah. No, cause we had, uh, we just, we just had Matt Chan on here and that's kind of like the days that you were talking about, you know, the, yeah. I think he came in second place. Was it Jay in 2009, 2010, yeah. something like that. And, uh, he brought up, you know, the strongman training that he had that he did for that, um, that games like the log. And, and he's talking about the log and the, and the stones and the sandbag and everything. And that's kind of like the time frame where you were, uh, just, just starting getting into it. Yeah.
3: They always throw in like a wild card like that. They'll throw in some yeah. kind of like odd object, um, race or some sort. Because so what they'll do is they'll have, um, usually some kind of like triathlon, something or other, like something crazy um where it's like endurance base and then they'll throw in something where there's an odd object that one year they had the slug one year they had the sled it was just they always do something that kind of is a wild card that don't like most guys won't train for and that's why when champ was talking about it um i thought it was pretty interesting that he was kind of preparing himself for you know worst case scenario if they're gonna throw in some strongman stuff at least you know he'd be prepared so um so with the strongman stuff, right? When did you realize that you could be like an elite competitor? Oh, that's what, so that that's got my wheels turning a bit.
2: Yeah. So that took again, in retrospect, not much longer, but, um, a little bit. So that first competition I did, and that was 2014, um, I showed up to that contest totally unprepared again, like, cause most people not that you have to, but most people get their introduction to the sport like through a friend. You know, they see it somewhere or someone kind of coaches them in and, and they, so they're a little bit like familiar with the scene before they show up. And that was not me. Like everything I knew about it, I had just read on the internet and probably from terrible sources. So, <laughs> like, like everything I thought I knew about Strongman was pretty much wrong. Um, so I showed up to that contest like totally unprepared. I didn't know anybody. Um, I got third. I think, or third or fourth in the contest. And that was a surprise even to me because I didn't, like, I trained for the contest. I didn't have any of the strongman equipment, really. Um, So all of the events were all things that I had, like, never done before. And I trained for them just on my best, like, approximation uh, at the CrossFit gym, uh, where Mm -hmm. I worked at the time. And I was like, you know, okay, well, I don't have a yoke, so I'm going to just carry a barbell and you know I don't have a stone so I'm just gonna do like a bunch of you know like heavy dumbbell lifts like hold them in that position and hope that it works you know so all right so you adapted um, and
3: improvised okay
2: or I I thought I was you know I tried yeah um so but I, I had never done any of those events before all of the weights seemed like impossibly heavy because I didn't have the actual like equipment um so I showed up expecting nothing from that contest I was like I'll probably zero everything, that's fine. But like, I need to start in order to know what it's like to compete in order to know, like, you know I I need to go and measure myself so I know where I'm starting. And if I'm lucky, I'll meet some people that can help me figure this out. Um, So I went, I did surprisingly well. I I can't remember now if it was third or fourth, but.
3: um, How many, you remember how many competitors?
2: Not that many, I think like five or six competitors. Okay. um so it wasn't what, like a, a huge class was that? competition that was just that was the women's uh mixed like open class so oh, that okay. was okay. all the women competitors at and the
1: no show. no no coach or anything kind of just leifa going no, and doing her own no.
2: thing right <laughs> yeah i just was like I i'm gonna a lot of, figure lot of this credit out credit for that yeah yeah um yeah actually a lot of people like wow i can't believe you did that like that seems so scary you know but it was never really like a scary thing but maybe i'm just the crazy one then because I was like, yeah, of course. This is what you do. You just go try it, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like. Um, but but I think that's where it also helped me to not know that much about what I was getting into because I, I didn't have enough information to be scared yet. I was just like, yeah, this will be fine. Um sounds like you're I, a gamer. Yes. Sounds definitely. Like you just Show
3: up and show out. That's you know? that's definitely
2: put me, in, fit that yeah, that.
3: put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um where you work.
1: I'm sorry to cut you off. Were you working at the time or kind of what, what, what were you doing on the outside? Uh, Cause you said you were working at the CrossFit gym.
2: Yeah. So this was at, uh so this is at a different CrossFit gym now. I had moved um, to Redondo beach. So I was working at a gym called CrossFit South Bay. Um, and I was there. So I moved there in like, I think 2000, end of 2012, early 2013. Um, so this is within that like had picked up had been training had started like training uh has started working like as a personal trainer um and i moved to moved to south bay yeah i think it was might be 2012. We're close. Right, so
1: if i'm looking at california on the map right where is that at? yeah
2: um it's this in is socal right it's Pretty all much. socal yeah it's yeah. all socal it's all within a couple hours um so it's like in california. my second home
3: just so you you know
2: okay yeah <laughs> so i've got so, a lot of
3: friends out there
2: yeah so for non California people, it's LA-ish. Um so I, I was working there and and that's where I was like starting to to work on like okay, I want to get into competing and stuff like that. So I was I was pretty local. Um and the California Strongest Man Show is is in Orange County down here. In so, the
3: OC. In the OC. In
2: the O C. Um,
3: the o. C. Were funny. you um did you um go to high school
2: in Southern California or? Uh, yes, but not quite here. So I grew up in Palmdale, which is in. It's technically in LA County, but it's not yeah. like LA. It's up in the. It's in the high desert, like.
3: Okay.
1: Kind All right. of.
2: Nowhere. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: gotcha. Yeah. I hear you. It's funny because in January this this past January I went to Sacramento and um, I went to California one time when I was like in seventh grade in San Diego and I went to Sacramento. I, and I actually was at a uh, super training gym on Mark Bell's podcast, but I went to uh, Alan Thrall's on time strength. Okay. When I went to Sacramento, I was like, you know, what the hell is this place? You know, like it was just like a smaller city of like New York city, you know, like no yeah. beef, or nothing. So I didn't really get to experience any of that. But uh, when you were talking about yeah. the YouTube videos, I just pictured like you watching like an Alan Thrall video of him from like 2000 2009, like, you know, making his old school videos because I know California has, you know, a lot of good strongman out there and everything and a yeah. bunch of those little random gyms and stuff so
2: yeah out. no i actually well i hadn't seen his videos yet but which they actually probably would have helped but i think he was at that competition which was my first contest so alan thorell's actually <laughs> one of the first <laughs> wow. people i met in strongman oh, that's awesome. yeah he's been it on was, the
1: show yeah, yeah, yeah. We, had him on, we had him on season one yeah really yeah
2: he's really funny. cool he like dude. um yeah so that contest was like that was my first chance to like see what it was about and I think that was the moment well I didn't know that I thought I was going to be like a an elite level competitor but that was the moment I knew that I could do it just because I was like going into this environment of like here are people that do know the sport there's a lot of people there that are like high level competitors and they can recognize it and people were like wow like you did great like you really have no training like you really have no background like that's amazing so I was like oh okay maybe I'm pretty good
3: so what was it? So what was the game plan after the competition? Did uh, did um, you get a coach? Did you, um you know, what was the move?
2: Yeah, so that contest, so California Strongest Man is, uh, is hosted by a guy named Scott Brangle. He runs uh, a gym called East, East Coast, West Coast Strength and Conditioning, um, okay. which is two gyms, one that's out here in Orange County, and the other one is, uh, is in New Jersey. So there I've got Hence Both the coast.
3: East Coast, West Coast.
2: Gotcha. Hence the name. It makes gotcha. a lot of sense. Did yeah, that um, right by
1: Frank, Frank, Frankie Corvelli?
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Frankie runs the, the gym that's in New Jersey. Um. So I that competition was like that. The He was one of the people as well as like the other, you know, like crew members from ECWC where people are like, hey, you could be pretty good at this. Um. You know, you should actually learn some skills and, and do some stuff. You should come train with us. Um, and I put it off for maybe a few weeks cause I was like, oh, okay, well maybe, but I wasn't sure that I, you know, I wasn't sure that I liked everybody <laughs> and I wasn't sure if like, okay. if I wasn't sure if I was gonna, if I was gonna enjoy it. So I was like, okay. Um, but you know, they contacted me a couple of times, like you should come train with us. So I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to go, you know, find it out. And, and I very quickly just, you know, I found my first lifting crew um, you know, I started, I started showing up and, and training with them and just like learning everything that I could and, um, getting a lot of guidance. And that's, that's where about my boyfriend, we started dating and we've been, right. you know, he's been my partner now for six years. Like it just, I just kind of fell into a very small, but like very good community. And, you know, that, that fostered a lot. Like, you know, I started learning a ton there and it also helped that, you know, some of the even at that time, like and even still now, but especially at that time, like a lot of those, the guys that I was training with, a lot of people in that crew, they were some of the best still are some of the best competitors in the world. So I got to learn at the source, you know, and not just that, oh, yeah. but constantly compare myself to the best, which really, it, you know, it, it elevated my, my expectations for myself, you know, cause I was, I had a little bit of like, oh, wow. Like maybe I could be good at this, but I wasn't, I was never good in that gym. Right. Mm-hmm. When I was training. So I never had this expectation of like, oh, I am good or I'm going to be good. I was always like, I have so much to do. I have so much to do. That's
3: like, good. I mean, sure, that's how you kind of prepare yourself for, I always say big fish, little pond, right? You sometimes you get, you get a, a you know, so, someone in the gym that's better than everyone else that's in there. now you kind of walk around with that, with that complex. Like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. So the fact that you were comparing yourself to these high level lifters Kind of helped you stay humble because you're like I got I have so much work to do that kind of kept you on track to getting to where you are now. So I think being in that environment definitely had a role in changing your life. Like you said, you met your boyfriend there. You were around such you know so many great lifters, so you were able to kind of like realize that all right, I you know I got all this work to do, but I'm around a good group of people. And I always say having a good crew lifting wise is it is so clutch because they'll, they'll hold you accountable. Like I know like if I come in and I'm having a crap day, they're gonna let me know like Jay, you gotta, you know, what's going on, get out of your head, you know, buckle down and, and start to hit these lifts. And also when you have people that are that good, they're also critiquing movement and they're helping you there. So like, I think being at that gym was definitely like a momentum shift for you.
2: That, you it, agree? that changed my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That. I mean all of these moments are, are sort of serendipitous one leads to the next but I definitely yeah. think that the you know specifically the the gym where I ended up with and and the people that I ended up training with had a lot to do with with shaping my mindset on on how I compete um and like you know the trajectory of how I got there I definitely would not have been as capable or as formidable without that. Yeah. Are
1: you still are you still there today?
2: Um yeah I still train there
1: gotcha yeah no frankie's frankie's a good dude to that whole crew they uh i know with covid he had the, he had to shut his place down in jersey but uh he ended up opening up like you know just a He opens up another spot you know like a month ago so once you said it i was like oh i've been to the one in jersey so i'm glad that uh you know you're still training there and everything so um six years at the same gym same crew still and everything because mm-hmm. you said 2014 right
2: yeah yeah so i still train there i mean the crew changes a bit because life changes and people come and go and move around um but yeah for the most part i still have you know a handful of the the same people same support network um you know same same space to train and stuff like that it's it's changed a little bit you know just because the competitors have changed like uh for example when i started a lot of there was you know me and like i think four or five other competitors all training for uh nationals at the same time right so like um and I think w- when I so I, I didn't qualify for nationals at that first competition that I did but I was like I I did well enough and you know the coach and everybody was like hey you could qualify for nationals and we're going to be training to go there like you should come so I did a second competition like later in the year um to get ready for that but so like at that time you know my even though we weren't doing like the exact same stuff. A lot of us were training for like the same competitions and, and sort of like at the same level. Um, since then, you know, a handful of us have have progressed way past that. So there's there's just like you know differences in, in where the levels are and stuff like that. So how we train looks as a group isn't really quite the same. It's more like we train individually, but we're around each other as opposed to like training at the same time. Okay.
3: Right. Now, I I have a question. Um give me a monumental competition like i like cuz everybody has like um like three moments in there in a like lifting career or like for for me and frankly like our police career that kind of changed the direction of where your lifting career went so give me like one so we have your your intro right you so you come in you show up you show out right and then give me like a competition that you went to that kind of changed the the direction in in your lifting career
2: because uh,
3: the, the wheels are spinning right now for me because I'm just trying to figure out because I feel like you kind of just you didn't you, you didn't spend much time and you kind of just you were you got good really quick so yeah I'm trying to figure <laughs> out um and many people have um, that ability to do that
2: yeah, so so that's why that's why I said before. I'm like, it's kind of a mix of both. Like I wouldn't have thought I was like a naturally strong person until I started doing it. And then, you know, and especially knowing what I know from the analytical side, like as a coach, like, okay, this is not normally how quick this happens. So <laughs> like, so I'm like, okay, I definitely the I came packing something that I wasn't aware of. Um, but so like that first competition, California Strongest Man was the first that was like what turned me on to, like, I was like, it solidified, like, okay, this is the sport for me. These are the people, this is the thing I want to be really good at. And I think I can do something with it. So I'm going to keep working on it. Um, Then, like I said, I went and did another qualifier and I qualified for nationals um, later in that same year. Um, So then I went to, uh, I went to nationals at the end of 2014. And that was like, Okay cool like I've made it to this this next level in this in this in this labyrinth. Uh and I'm like okay but the ne- this next one's going to be really hard, right? I'm like this has to have been a fluke, you know, I, like yeah, it's it's up to this level but I I am sure, you know, okay now I was like top top you know top two top three in this region but now at nationals it's probably going to be you know now it's like the whole country it's going to be different um Mm -hmm. and one of the people actually that i had started uh so at this point in the year i had started like following other competitors getting to know who was actually like in the sport because before that i really had no clue and one of the people that i followed pretty closely (coughs) sorry one of the people that i followed really closely was britney diamond Uh,
3: hey friend of the show
2: yeah and i don't actually know if she knows this i don't know if if we've ever talked about this um but i i watched everything she did for that year because i was like and and she was one of to me one of the most you know she was one of the most athletic uh strongman competitors that that i could see um and that I was exposed to. So I've watched everything she did. And in my mind, I was like, all right, this one. And there was another one which I don't know how much you follow strongman, but there was a, a strong woman named Alana Casey. Um, and okay. at the time, so at the time she was still like a level above us, but she was sort of like she was like the original and reigning champ. She was the Lindsay Valenzuela of 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 Strongman. Okay. Right? She was like the, the reigning strongest girl in in like the middleweight division.
3: Gotcha.
2: Um and so I was like like followed everything she did. And I was like, I I would just love to be that strong. And then I would follow Brittany and I'm like, okay, she's really good. I need to figure out how to like be like that. Um, And going into my first nationals, I was like, I'm definitely going to get smashed, but again, I'm going to learn and it's going to be okay. And then I was competing alongside Brittany And and probably I forget what the event was now, but there was at one point where like, I started to rank like, you know, one or two or or three events into the contest. And I started to see like, I wasn't that far back. And I think I was like, I was like close to some of her like times and performances. And then that was actually one of the things that I was like, okay, I think I can actually like do this. (laughs) Like Like, I'm here now, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, okay, great. Um, and I don't remember actually where I finished, I think like 10th or 11th or something like that, um, in in nationals, but it it didn't matter. Like the performance, it was like, I saw myself in the mix with the other good competitors and the people that I had sort of like, I viewed them as so far away and I realized that I was gaining on them. And I was like, okay, I can, I can make do of this. That'll
3: put some pep in your step. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's always interesting when you hear stories like that, like, you know, people watching, um, you know, other competitors and then being on the same competition floor and then noticing that there's not that much of a difference between this person that I've been following and me. And I think that's when the switch kind of goes on. And then it's either kill or be killed at that point, because it's okay to have an admiration for somebody. Right. But, you know, let's be honest, if I'm showing up somewhere, I'm trying to win, I don't compete for fun. All right. You know, I'm not showing up and, you know, potentially risking injury just so I can have quote-unquote fun I'm trying to win so when you walk onto a competition floor and you realize like hey I'm in the same realm as these people that's when you start to see the blood in the water I mean now over the years did you compete against Brittany and and was it like almost like I don't want to say a rivalry but was it something that like you looked forward to and know, and like you knew that if Britt was at this competition, you had to bring your A game, you, you know. I, because I, it's like for me, it's like magic, it's like, uh, it's like magic and bird, right? So, like, those guys went head to head all the time, right? And they have a great respect for one another, but they try to take each other's heads off every single time they got on the court. Was it like that with some of these other like elite competitors?
2: Um, yeah, definitely. So like, so Brittany was, was just like the first one. Um, mm-hmm. like she was the first one that I followed and like, I knew of, like, she was the first, like strongman athlete that I was like, I recognize her. I, I know what she can do. Um, and then after that I started, you know, so then I actually, I feel like when I went to that nationals is when I actually got, got in the mix socially, like started talking to other, uh, strong women and, and started to like understand more about the competitive field. But, also at that time, it got really competitive. So by the following year, 2015, um, and just for like frame of reference, I think, uh, oh, I'm probably wrong now, but it was only maybe four to five years. I think 2010 was the first women's uh, division uh, at nationals. Maybe don't quote me on that, but somewhere around there so at this time 2014 yeah. 2015 we're still talking about like the introduction of of like the women's classes is still relatively new so the pool yeah. was was gaining uh traction really quickly and it got really competitive and there there started to be a handful of of competitors that I was like yeah I was making a hit list in my mind definitely um yeah See, that's what <laughs> like,
3: I like to hear absolutely
2: yeah because I mean, why not you're not a best? competitor
3: if you're not right exactly why not be the best exactly yeah. like no real competitor competes for fun you compete to win
2: yeah and there was I think so kind of building on the 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 different moments so after that nationals was the first one that I was like okay I'm actually gonna like I'm actually I can compete at this top level like I can get to the best um and then I think so I'm missing something in between 2015. I don't remember. So 2016, I earned a qualifier to the first in a long time World Strongest Woman. Um, so they had done a World Strongest Woman show like way back when it had been gone, and now with like the resurgence of of women and strongmen, they they were like bringing that show back. So okay, and where
3: actually, was this competition that, at?
2: That was in in UK. Okay,
3: all right. Um, travel.
2: Yeah, so that was one and I went and I I did the qualifier and I was like surprised that I made it, but I was like all mm-hmm. right, let's do it. Um and that was probably that was the next big moment or like final moment in that like ability to see myself at that next level because now I was going to be competing against this is an open weight like women's competition, so all the best in the world and some of the the people like that i had been following that are uh you know like it was my first time competing against kristen rhodes and kristen rhodes is like it's like the michael jordan of, of of strong woman you know like she had really? won everything for a decade so <laughs> like um okay that moment was that contest was definitely sort of a big one because going into that i was like okay this is not just can i be pretty good or can i compete with the best in my class this is like can i compete with the best in the actual world and like the people who have sort of like superhuman abilities um and going into that competition i was like all right i can see what i can do and i I held on
3: (laughs) now do you have like a like a mantra like something that you tell yourself before you go out there and compete cuz it seems like you're not phased by much you seem like you're mentally strong more more so than physically strong cuz half the battle is all right yeah you're going to have genetics you're going to put the work in the gym but the greats are made in their you know it's all in the mind right so you got to have that 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 killer mindset that that mamba mentality which I I, I like to touch on a lot and i mean it's just i want to dive into the head of a an elite competitor is there something that you have in your mind or like is there a mantra is there something is there something on the wall that you look at every single day like what drives you to be you what drives Leifa to be Leifa when Leifa steps out on that competition floor Mm,
2: that is a good question so and I think that the answer is that it has changed um over time like like what motivates me to compete and 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 what i envision when i'm doing it now is very different actually from from how it was when i started um and
3: uh yeah let's go through the progression of that yeah. like so <laughs> when, you know because when you started it was just like hey eh, i'm just trying to do this and now you realize like all right well you know i got a little steam behind me i'm starting to make some headway so how does it change from beginning to to current for, yeah for, i think
1: leifa for that sure. twist like what jay said um was an excellent question Cause I was going to say, you're kind of like a superhero where each rep you do and every competition you do, you get stronger and stronger and faster and faster. Um, so it's yes. like, you know, I picture you doing the first rep and it's like, all right. And then all of a sudden like, you know, I just saw that video, you know, 395 and it was like, you know, each rep, boom, boom. Get, I'm like, is this girl going to go 10, 15 reps? Like, let's go, what's going on here. And then, you know, so each rep you're doing, but it's like what Jay just said, it was a perfect question. It's like, you know, kind of like that mental health aspect of really how you prepare and, and how kind of how it makes you, uh, of who you are. You know what I mean? Like how your confidence the even the ego, um, the mental health wise, like how, how you prepare mentally. So,
2: yeah, I, I think, that. um, yeah. So, and that's a great direction. Cause that, that ties into a lot. Um, and it gets, you know, uh, I'm sure you don't mind, but a, a little bit darker, um, Because I definitely, you know, when we go back to, you know, I'm talking about all those moments where like, you know, when I got into lifting and I was like, oh, this is fun. I like the way it feels. I like being strong. I like learning all of that stuff. But emotionally, the reinforcement that I was getting from lifting, um, and this is something I think I found most people in the strength community um, resonate with, is it was an outlet for my pain, it was, you know, uh, an easy way to deal with, you know, at the, in retrospect, some of it was avoidance, but also just kind of like soothing a lot of the, you know, emotional and, and internal turmoil that I had. Um, and I don't really know how else to describe that. But I think everyone that lifts understands it, you know, when you just go in, yeah. you're boiling, you're raging, or you're hurt, or whatever it is. Um, and to have that, like, really, intense physical expression, you're like, okay, I just I just feel better. And for me it was a lot about like feeling autonomous, feeling the ability to like take control of 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 physically my body, um, but also like my mind, this idea that like I can make myself into something else. I'm not stuck with, you know, with who and what I am. I'm not what has happened to me or where I've been. I'm I'm who I decide to be right now. Um yeah. and like lifting, like lifting and competing. That's the thing that, that helped me learn that lesson, like it. And that's what the like psychological reinforcement of was every time I'm going in the gym and I'm getting stronger or I'm going to those competitions and realizing like, okay, I can do this. Like it was reinforcing this model in my mind that like I can choose, right. I can choose how I want to be like, I want to be strong. I want to do these things like I can, um, And some of it was, some of it, some of that gamer mentality was kind of dark in the beginning um, because I had, you know, there's a lot of times like going into an event or something where I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. And for me, it was helpful to tap into some, some thinking that I had had in the past where I like, I, I had already known what it felt to be totally hopeless. I had already known what it felt like to feel like I had, literally like no reason to live and and nothing valuable about myself so there was a lot of this well like what do I have to lose you know I'm like and even if it wasn't in that moment I could channel back to it and go like okay I know what it feels like to 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 feel like I'm a failure to feel like I'm not you know valuable so if I if I lose or it doesn't work out like it's not going to be like like rock bottom's not scary because I felt like I'd been there it didn't Right. Um, so I was like, all right, fine. Um, or you know, I'm thinking, like, okay, well, this is gonna hurt, but it's not gonna hurt as bad as as some other things have. So like, let's do it. I can do it, I can handle it. Um I don't know if that's a healthy way, but that's that's where I was like, you know, in the beginning. Um and then over time as I as I actually got, you know, more reinforced with like my own ability and started to get a little bit smarter about how I train and stuff like that. The, the challenge of of competing became less about like proving my worth and proving that I like could do something and more uh-huh. about like proving my skill, like proving that I could do it a certain way if I chose to. Um, so then it just started to get more interesting that way. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't. Know.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. So, so just from me listening to you, just from, this, just no, not at all. Just from yeah. from from this interview alone, um, I can see there's been huge progression in your life, um, and because you have a very calming spirit, that's the one thing I'm getting from this, uh, from this interview. I don't know if you were always like this, but you have a very like you uh calm way about you, and you so people that are very calm, usually have a great story. Because people aren't always like that. So when you get somebody who's who's in control of their emotions, I think at one point or another in their life, they were a person who didn't have control of that, and probably have, you know, have been through certain things that would, would make other people either give up or quit on on life or on, you know, certain situations. And so Listening to you talk, right? And you're very, very soft-spoken, and it, like the way you speak and the way you lift just doesn't coincide. It's like you're two different human beings. So it's almost like you transform when you get out there and you start lifting, and you you turn into this to this like like Frankie was saying, like this superhero. Being able to channel these energies, right? So whatever tumultuous stuff that you had going on in your life, you were able to channel that and 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 redirect that energy in a positive light a lot of people that go through tumultuous things in their life have an option and i love that you said that you had a choice or you have an option to take it to take that energy and use it for good or bad like i you know in 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 my life i've had a lot of friends that they were really good at being shitty people or they were really good at taking their energy and putting it out in a negative light and if they would have just took that energy and and put it towards something positive i think the outcome of their life would have been a thousand times different so the fact that you were able to channel these 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 hard times and 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 put it in um you know put it in the gym and just like hey you know what's the worst that can happen i've already seen the worst i've already been through hell so you know me going through a little bit of suffering for it which is just a moment it's just a moment in time where you gotta you know you're feeling the burning of these reps and so on But you your ability to fight through that I think that's why you are as great as you are because you 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 took time to identify the you know the tumultuous things that happened in your life and. And you redirected that energy in a positive light and it shows in your demeanor it shows in your career, and I think it's this is what this podcast is all about like being able to navigate through life's ups and downs ebbs and flows and. And coming out on the opposite end victorious. You know, um, I think a lot of people need to hear this out loud because, you know, you're while you're on your journey, no one's ever gonna really tell you out loud, hey, you're doing a great job. You might, you know, once in a while hear it, but reinforcement of that is key, especially for for people like us who have been through things. And and, you know, we often get caught up in the, in the, in the stuff that we went through. And you don't even realize like that you've made this progression until you kind of look back and say, "Oh shit, I'm I'm a completely different person than I was ten years ago," and in, in a positive way. And you know, I didn't I didn't digress; I got better. So, um, you know, to to me, just having this conversation with you is like kind of eye opening because it it makes me realize there's so much more that I can be doing. I should stop putting a, a roof on on the th- on on some of my goals. Cause you just kind of like, you know, you show up, you show out and you know, here you are, you know, this, this elite level lifter, but almost has like a Zen like quality. Cause you're super calm, like talking to you right now. You're just like very self-spoken, but then I watch you lift and I'm like, who is this person? You don't <laughs> like just having a conversation with you and watching your, watching your videos. It's like night and day. I'm just going you know that right now. Has Different than you, you, you expected.
2: That? Uh, way different
3: i thought you were going to be way more intense (laughs) i thought you're going to be like you know like more animated but you're very like very soft-spoken you have a very calming spirit i like it's almost samurai-esque i think man i mean (laughs) i i I love it i love it because it's 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 interesting to see the dynamic change you know
2: yeah no i don't get that a ton i mean i have gotten that like I I have been told plenty of times that I'm not like super reactive around lifting. Like the, when I'll go and do an event, it's like incredibly aggressive, but then it's like, once I'm done, I'm like, okay,
3: you know how to shut it off. Some people can't (laughs) shut that off.
2: Like
3: that is the hardest thing to do to be on like 10 and then take it down. So like for, for Frankie and I like, we're police officers. You could be sitting on a lull like this. And then something will happen and then you gotta turn it up to 10. And some people can't get to 10. Some people will just be sitting at like two and then they go into a call that requires you to be at a 10 and you're still on two. You gotta learn how to be able to manipulate that. And yeah. that is a great quality to have. That's why I say you're a gamer. You know, yeah. and I don't a know. A lot you, of that have is you always been like this too.
2: Um have you well, been like, like I this? said, so, I don't uh, you mean like my personality, like. Like how we're talking now. No, like you said, like a lot of a lot of my uh, whatever it is now that I have like confidence, my my that calm, which is I think it's funny that you say that because I don't consider myself very calm, but um, really, yeah, like like you said, it comes from you know not having that, um, and yeah, I think it definitely it it came from like a lot of uh, concerted mental effort to become that way, right? To learn how to not be so reactive. To not allow my emotions and and traumas and all those things like dictate who I was, you know, to get in control of it and just to decide, you know, how I want to be, how I want to react, you know, how I want to act, and a lot of that ability, like you're talking about, like going from the two to the ten, like that that ability to 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 hit peak arousal and utilize it, a lot of that also the ability to reach that peak level requires you to conserve the energy and use it when appropriate. So, like that lesson. For competing of like, you know, like you said, some people can't turn it off, some people always up. Like that that's something that I've learned and then been able to like utilize. I think that's one of the things that's not totally unique, but one of the areas that I excel at in competing that allows me to do what I can do because I'm I'm not I'm not reacting to the arousal and competition and allowing it to like lead me. I'm not letting myself get overly hyped up. Like I'm containing it and controlling it and deciding like when. To use that.
3: Oh, I love it. This is, this is <laughs> aces. I need stuff like this. Cause I'm I like, I'm still learning. I always say I have a lot of shortcomings and I'm trying to become a better human being every single day. And, um, one of the things I had to learn as a, cause as a child, I was a very reactive human being. I, I constantly was getting in trouble as a kid because someone would do something and it's like, Jason was on them slapping somebody or doing something crazy because I was a reactive human being. And as I've gotten older with maturity um, comes wisdom for most people, sometimes maturity doesn't really bring wisdom if with you're others. you're listening,
2: but... it does. <laughs> yeah.
3: Exactly, so, cause I think, I think some people just don't get it. And I had to learn, like, I just used the people around me. They were my examples. And I just saw how being a reactive human being can put you in a very, very dangerous space and you know and then you can make a decision that would scar you forever and instead of slowing down detaching yourself from it and then looking at the like the, the possible repercussions of this particular reaction it, you know i started to be like all right jay you got to get your you know walk into a situation have your head on your shoulders make sure that you know exactly what's going on and do not re- do not respond from a place of emotion because you're going to do something that you're going to freaking regret and once it's done there's no there's no undoing and if there is some doing it's going to be either really expensive or you're going to have to spend some time with some bars and some cement blocks around you so i had to learn how to do that and i'm still learning how to not be reactive and that is that is an extremely hard thing to do because human beings are emotional creatures we just kind of Respond from places of emotion for no reason, or that we'll just perceive something to be, you know, um, disrespectful, and it's all something that you can conjure up in your head. Someone to say something, and then you just take offense to it, and you're like, "Well, what did you just say to me?" And the next thing you know, that person goes up, then you go up, and now you're at right a head.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So the fact that you're able to, and you say it so scientifically too, like, you, <laughs> the, 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 like the way you articulate, you know. <laughs> how, how you do what you do. It's like, anybody who listens to this podcast is going to take so much from this particular episode. Cause if you're really listening, like I'm, I, I know right now I'm going to probably after this interview, I'm definitely going to like research some more ways to control emotional reaction and, and learning how to channel my energy in a positive light. Cause I, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But I I don't know what the hell it is that you do, but you need to teach me what you do so I can get to that level, that zen-like level up there.
2: Well, the biggest, I think a lot of things have helped, and it's taken me many years to get from where I was to where I am. And I'm definitely still on the path. I'm still working on it. Um, But, and there's a lot of things, including lots of therapy. So don't discount that at all. I didn't do it all on my own. Um, Absolutely. But the, um, the main thing, the biggest change, like the biggest life-changing realization in in my mental health um, and emotional health was realizing that I am not my thoughts, um, that I'm not my feelings. Right? Or I said before, it was like this realization that I'm not what I have been before, or you know, I'm not my mistakes. I'm not the things that have happened to me. I'm not the the accumulation of of things around me that I couldn't control like I can I can decide at any moment to be different or a better person and I'm now that person Um, and so it's not it was like for me it was not about learning that I needed to contain or control my emotions it was that I actually needed to like sit with them and listen to what they were because most of my difficulties in the past with like with, with being overreactionary, with being emotional, with being all those things came from me not wanting to hear those those thoughts, like not wanting uh, to actually sit with my real feelings. Like I was running away from stuff, you know? And that audience. works for, yeah, everybody eventually, everybody but you can't it. outrun it forever, right? So yeah. eventually it comes back to fuck you up. So uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: it's true, like, no.
2: in my mind, it's very much like a, like I have this, So this is actually really fitting because you guys is called the labyrinth and in my, I have like an image in my mind, it's not quite a labyrinth, but it's like a forest, like the inner parts of my mind are like a dark forest. Right. And most of the stuff happens outside and where the light and the comfortable things are, but like in the middle of that dark forest, like I don't really know what's in there. Right. I know it's bad stuff. I know it's where we keep all the scary stuff that I don't really want to look at. Um, You know, and a lot of stuff that I choose not to think about, but the reality is is that like at some point, like I have to go in there. Right. <laughs> like you, you, you have to go. Um, because it's in because I'm still containing it, right? So if there's like a beast that lives in the middle of this forest, at some point it's the gonna
3: minotaur, Frankie, the minotaur right. kid.
2: Yeah. So in it's there. it just finally became a point where I was like, all right, I, I have like I can't outrun this stuff. I have to face it. So realizing that like I have to face all of the all of the crazy Fucked up, weird thoughts that I have. All of the doubts, all of the, all of those negative emotions. Like I have to face them, but it doesn't mean that just because I have them or because I have those thoughts that like that's who I am.
3: Yeah. Oh, you're awesome, man, Frankie. This, you know, I'm about to. You know, I'm about one. to. You know, I'm about to go off. To, oh um, yeah, I know because Frankie's
1: uh, Is that a
2: Minotaur on your shirt? That's
3: yeah, a Minotaur on the shirt. That's why. That's why I said what I said.
1: The mm-hmm. Responder's logo made it the minotaur um Mm -hmm. yeah wow um and i think you already know all this that i'm gonna say but you know we're the only creature uh you know we're the judge the jury and the executioner of our own thoughts you know um a dog or in the pack they get corrected once and they go on with their day any little thought or decision we make you know will hit it a thousand times harder and a negative thought is three more times powerful than a positive thought so yes Sitting with those thoughts and talk, you know, just going through everything we j- you just talked about it was like, you know, the gym was like a co- is a coping mechanism and a, a therapy, you know, in the beginning, of course, and then a- every day, like you you know, you talked about it's a practice, and every day we're learning, and it's not going to be easy. Every day is a battle, you know, and um, sitting, sitting with those thoughts, and then able to control at least a few of them, and realizing that, like I was going to say, like you know. You know, Leifa walks into the movies the the movie theater, the movie plays, and it's her life and her experiences. Now, at what point does she finish the movie and keep going to where she is today until she says, you know what, screw this. I'm 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 leaving and I want my ticket back because I'm not gonna sit there and watch this movie, you know. But the deep dark forest, you know, there there's a story with King Arthur and the Knights Table, and you know, at one point they have to go get get this grail and they're always traveling together. And they all agreed that they're all going to go separate into this forest that they've never been to before. And they all have to, it's just, no other way. Cause you know, you have to grow and they, they all go separate and you know, they find that the deepest part of the forest and they find that bliss and that bliss is finding out really who you are and how, you know, how you, where you are today. But when you're able to go to that deep part and it's not going to be easy, it sucks, you know? Being a year sober, it's the hardest thing that i ever done. And it's still gonna be the hardest thing i ever done, but I'm aware. I'm aware of the triggers. I'm aware of the thoughts. I'm aware of what I'm gonna say, what people are gonna say. And even as a cop on the street, when you go through that dark place, you're able to relate with a lot more people out there, but you're also able to catch and see a lot more things. You know what I mean? So it takes a lot and a lot of practice. And, you know, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's not easy. Um, But going to that dark forest, which I love is, And coming out, you know, that's just like a sigh of relief where, you know, that rock bottom. And it's funny you said that because I've been there too. And I always think to myself, though, it could always be worse. No matter what, like rock bottom, there could always be that one little level that you didn't even know existed that it could always be worse. So it's kind of funny how you said that suffering part in the beginning. You're kind of like, eh, and you even admitted it that like not the healthy part. And I've been there too. Um, But just to like the way you were then to where you are now. It's kind of like you know we're all you know on this podcast and whoever's listening forever growing and that's how you gotta look at it you know like you, you might go back to the dark forest again and make that quick right turn and you didn't know that part of the woods was there you know what i mean so i'm really happy that you brought that up
2: but you also yeah we also have to know what it looks like because what we find out is like a lot of you know in my case it's like yeah there was a big scary monster in there but it was not unbeatable and, you know, a lot the majority of, of what was holding me back from crossing that forest was just the, the you know, the, the big scary image in my mind, this like anxiety about like, well, what is it and how bad is it going to be? Where mm-hmm. in reality, it was like, oh, okay, actually, it's all conquerable. And it wasn't so bad. And I was just afraid of, it was a myth, you know, it was like the stories of the monster had gotten bigger than the actual monster itself. Like monster. In reality, it was, it was, conquerable. And that was one of the things that where you're like, okay, if you look back in retrospect, and this has happened to me a lot in, in lifting, where it was like, I set a goal for the future, you know, either something positive, or like, let's say it's battling this, this invisible monster. Either way, you set it up in your mind as like being very difficult or even impossible to do. And then once you actually conquer it, you're like, okay, well, I thought that was impossible, but now it's not so what else do i think is impossible that's yeah, what's, actually what's totally next? doable yeah, yeah like what's different about my perspective the reality is that like i set the limits you know you know and i think that that's really transformational
3: yeah, Leitha, i like it let's go <laughs> very insightful human being let's do it
2: i think a lot you took
3: me to church this morning man <laughs> I, i'm uh yeah this is another uh, gospel Another an ex- gospel I- jay I wasn't expecting this, man. This is great. It's got a great way to, for me to start my day on a high note actually.
1: speaking of the forest and everything, what's uh what what's your next uh your next travel through the forest, you know, kind of going through the rest of the year and everything, um, competing or just life wise, you know? My next travel there's through a lot the of, forest. There's, there's a lot of people in the forest right now that could use that flare or that could use that little uh you know, and and another thing I wanted to say is that you admitted, which I love, is that you didn't you couldn't do this alone. You know, you said the therapy and it takes a lot of work and that's, you know, what the podcast and everything is about is comes to a point where you got to surrender and you need to, you know, and, and that hero journey, you know, you go through the little forest or the labyrinth and you meet people on the way that really, you know, give you those little tools, like as a myth, you know, like, you know, here's the sword, here's the shield, here's the flare, here, here's this, and you use it on the way, um, you know, for the right moments in the right time. So kind of what's, uh. Where are you going through through your forest now? You know, for the end of the year or your your next your next journey.
2: Yeah, that's I really I really like the analogy because it is very true. Like you, none of this can be done alone, um, and and that was also I think part of my my difficulty in in the in my past was that I did think that I had to do everything on my own, um, and and part of that was you know I had really deep trust issues. Um, and like learning how to actually let people help me was, was a hard lesson. Um, and, you know, trusting people enough to, to have that team. So, so in competition, you know, we talked about that, like, definitely I wouldn't have made it to where I was without, you know, all of the information, all of the guidance, all the support from the people around me. Um, and some of those are the same people that helped me mentally, uh, and emotionally get to where I am as well. Um. But I think so so where I am with the forest. So I'm I'm through the first forest. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I conquered the the first scary forest that I was avoiding and found out that the monster wasn't that bad. Um, and that I'm stronger and more capable than I thought. So the the confidence from those interactions. Like I'm carrying that around with me. Now I have this, you know, I have my backpack full of tools. I got the sword from one person and I got the shield from someone else and I got the magic from the wizard, you know and I'm just carrying it all around. So, you know, I'm in a place where I feel very confident um, you know, in who I am and my abilities and I want to still keep challenging that but I don't know exactly where it is. I'm kind of looking for the next forest. Um, competition wise, I'm, I'm not through with competing, but at the moment there's, it's weird, uh, competitions aren't frequent or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of my original plans for competing this year have been, have been upended and and changed around. So, um, I will still be competing hopefully again someday. Um, but I don't know yet when that is, I was potentially going to compete a couple times this year. Those got uh, Cancelled or moved, or or things came up that I couldn't deal with, so I'll probably be competing next summer um, if things go well. Uh, I'll be doing the Stones of Strength World Championship that's in Norway, um, and that'll probably I think that's in like June or July, so okay. that'll probably be my next opportunity to compete, barring more world disasters. Um, <laughs> and outside of outside of competition i don't know um i've you know alongside my co- competition computer competition career i've built a training business um and coaching a lot of athletes and that's going really well but just kind of continuing to progress and see what what comes up next i don't really know
3: i like it
1: thank you for that appreciate it we don't know and that's, we don't kinda, know. that's part of the journey we don't know but you got we the just tools don't
2: know yeah, yeah but we know we got a lot of tools
1: exactly and jay was saying how you, you know you're so soft-spoken and i used to be a big world of warcraft player so i kind of picture as like this female like this badass female paladin that's like you know a healer <laughs> you know like able to heal but at the same time always ready you know carrying that big ass mace like ready to throw down at any point and Again, it takes a lot of practice uh, to get to that point. Um, Before we wrap up, we have a few more questions for you. um, So the listeners to get to know you a little bit more. Okay. You know, who you are and inside your labyrinth. So favorite movie, if you had to pick one or two, I know it's really on the bat. I need to hear this.
2: So my favorite movie is a movie called Labyrinth. (laughs) Are you serious? Wow. I'm really serious i'm really that's serious first, why it's funny do you guys know that movie it's, that's old, it's no, weird old one.
1: that's an old school one right
2: yeah it's from 1986 yeah yeah, yeah. before i was born um all right listen yeah. just so
3: you know right i was four in 86 bro so you know right, frankie's like that's an old there. school one right i was four
2: dude.
1: <laughs> i was just Jeez, a sperm i was just a sperm chilling you know
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah i know I it
1: know. was
2: before <laughs> all of our time but yeah so if i had to pick one that's probably my favorite movie which let's is let's go always a weird thing but actually and for a lot of reasons that way like the so are you guys have you seen that movie
3: i've never seen it i'm gonna go probably watch it this weekend it's
2: weird and and in my experience everyone who's seen it as an adult is like what the hell did i just watch so i don't know um you can decide uh but it it, that movie has a lot of lessons in it like part of that reason that's my favorite movie is because it was it was my mom's favorite movie. So Mm -hmm. she showed it to us a lot when I was a kid. So it was like one of the first movies I saw as a kid and watched it like all the time. So I like grew up on it. Um, and, and when you watch it, like it's, it's silly and everything, but like, there's quite a lot of lessons in the movie, um, along a lot of like what we just talked about, like this girl has to go into the labyrinth and face the unknown challenges and dangers to get you know, to get what she needs and finds out that it's like all conquerable. So, yeah, yeah, I get I, it. I, I promise that that was just a, a good coincidence. But when you, when you guys contacted me, you're talking about the, the name of the podcast. I was like, oh, I wonder if,
3: yeah, if really. that's,
1: <laughs> that's actually really funny. <laughs> Favorite, uh, if you have this for the rest of your life and recovery is, recovery is there one main lift and one accessory lift to do every single day, what would it be? Forever, forever. But recovery is forever. there, so not to worry about you know waking forever? up the next day. But it's the same one every day.
2: So the same lift every day, and I only get one.
1: One main lift and one accessory movement. What one you accessory lift? Uh,
2: well, I don't know what counts as a an accessory. Then can I have deadlift and press? Uh,
1: you. Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah, what, what, I mean if that's what you like. For, if, yeah, if that's what I you feel going like your with. shoulder
3: to overhead game is insane. So I, I kind of knew she was gonna say some kind of pressing what, of some sort. Yeah, exactly.
1: What kind of deadlift and what kind of press? Like what kind of what kind of bars are we talking?
2: What kind? Oh, probably if okay, if I can do chance equipment, then uh deadlift we're just talking about it, barbell. Um but if we're doing press, then my favorite is probably log.
3: Yeah, it's gonna say she's gonna go loud, bro.
2: It's my favorite.
3: I like it.
1: One meal to eat every single day for the rest of your life. Healthy or unhealthy. What are you going mm, with?
2: Mm, grilled cheese sandwich. Grilled cheese.
1: Soup. First one, yeah.
3: <laughs> it's all right.
2: Yeah. All right. Probably. Grilled
3: cheese.
1: Anything on it? I Bacon or, or a tomato? Or just plain plain?
2: No, but you gotta dip it in the tomato in, soup. In the soup. Yeah,
3: okay, gotta. I like it. I can't have any of that stuff. So, go ahead. (laughs) You have much going on there for me.
1: (laughs) You come to New York, it's me and Jay. We're chilling. We're like, yo, check this out. We lift up a tarp, it's a time machine. You're how how Leifa is now, who you are now. You're able to go anywhere you want 10 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, as you are now. Where are you going?
2: I feel like this is such a common like imagination question. I've not thought about this before. (laughs) We're in the labyrinth.
1: We're in the labyrinth. You don't know what's coming.
2: Considered. (laughs) Um, I think. I think. I well. I don't know. Like I think I would want to go future
1: um we've heard that before and i and and it's funny because i said the past and, the, and then like it oh did you skips, say past it skips the mind and it goes to the future but it, once oh, well someone I said recently any said, moment
2: in time somebody
1: else said it that.
3: i just can't think of who said future
2: oh well if it's only past
1: i think it was janae janae yeah, Clark, i think might I have think just it said it. Or, Grock, or she yep. or she said she would want to stay where she is right now um but if you want to go to the future you can how many years in the okay, future? Okay, I
2: can go to the future. Yeah, how many well, years? Well, that's why I said. I don't know. I mean, yeah, if, if it's not too, future, future's too risky for me, I think I would, I would just stay here. Like, if I'm I'm more interested in the future than I am in the past, in the past but the yeah. future is also terrifying because mm-hmm. you know, what are we going to find there? Do we want to face it? I don't know. Do we want to face it before we have the tools? That's I don't know.
1: Ah. <laughs> right? You go in the future, you oh, might. Yeah, that's you a good you one you Might have not gotten the orb that you would have gotten in five years to go, you know, 20, 30 years in the future.
2: Yeah. There you go. So I don't know. Very scary.
3: We'll go with the future. If you think of we'll it, we'll go with the long. future. Let me I could can, can I ask a question? Do you have a favorite book?
2: Uh do I have a favorite book? I don't know if you I have, have a, favorite a single favorite book. Right, um, give me three.
3: Give me your top three normally I ask music but for some reason I want to know what you're reading mm,
2: this is hard um well I don't have a, so a lot of my favorite books are not fiction which is not that mm-hmm. unstrange but I feel like most okay. people would talk about favorite books or fiction. but if I have a favorite fiction book um it might be 1984 um okay. for it's cool. very interesting um
3: I'm gonna write that down, nineteen
2: eighty-four. <laughs> um, there's also there. a book which this one's gonna feel very nerdy, but it's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Um, it's a nonfiction book. Um, but okay. it's, it it explains a lot about our like evolved stress response and okay, how physically how emotional stress um like dictates and affects our physical state. Um gotcha. And so that one is probably one of my favorites. Not so much to read, but just because like the information in that was really like transformational, and it comes up all the time. Okay. Um, hmm. Now I'm blanking. There has to be some other book that I really like.
3: I mean, two. I mean, yeah. it's if it's a, if it's too tough, then we'll. I'll take the two for the, the second book seems like something I should be it's reading. Close. A little stress um, mitigation—that's
2: definitely one. I I suggest everyone read it if you if you have the interest. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really definitely helpful.
3: gonna kind look into that. So,
2: and I hope. And I don't know. I didn't try to make it sound like extra nerdy. It's very like plain close science. They do a really good job of explaining it in in like terms and uh, and analogies that are like really easy to understand.
1: Okay. So. Great. Yeah, no, yeah i'm definitely all. gonna pick up that book hear all this. thank you
2: thank you
1: uh, last question I'm read that. um hang out someone to hang out with they could be dead or alive who would you want to hang out with
2: any drum roll
3: oh. anybody. Uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
2: um anybody dead or alive david bowie yeah.
3: david bowie nice. yeah
2: Okay i nice.
3: been expecting that from
2: you. But. Something interesting.
3: Well, he's key? in yeah, that, that
2: movie that is my favorite movie. So.
3: See, now I gotta, I gotta watch this. I'm probably gonna watch this thing tonight. Now, Jay, I, you, I, you might I be a little. Afraid. It, it, it's uh, it's old school. All
2: right, you whatever. should be warned. Gonna- it's yeah. a musical, and it's oh, it's a musical, char- and it's a it. Most characters. of the characters are Muppets.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm good. All right. No, thank you. All right. Muppets. Yeah.
2: It's a it's a Jim Henson movie.
3: I'll you know what I'll I'll give it tw- I'll give it ten minutes and if it if it, if <laughs> if it minutes, settles no, in the I'll brain then I'll watch it.
2: It's yeah. it's weird it's weird I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I'll,
3: I'll give it a shot. It's worth giving it a shot. All right, I think. If we, it I okay, okay if not
2: that one, you should watch Neverending Story.
3: Neverending Story.
2: That's my second second favorite title for first movie. Have you you haven't seen that either?
1: Nope. I no, I never have either. Frank, you
2: haven't seen that either.
1: No.
2: Oh it's very good but also from late 80s maybe early 90s
3: What's the premise of that movie Uh
2: it's similar there's a a small hero who has to go against a big unforeseen all powerful source of evil um there's a it's a kid that's he's actually like reading a story but he gets like absorbed into the story and there's this like cosmic force called the nothing which mm-hmm. is sort of symbolic of like sadness um negativity and it's like taking over the whole universe and he's like the chosen hero that has to go and,
1: and like okay hero journey I, I, yeah i guess i gotta journey. check that out yeah. too all right all I'm the the gonna, journey. with i'm weird gonna go never-ending story for
2: strange people and stuff it's not the that. one
3: with the big ass white dog is it yes i've seen it okay all right all right i've seen it i've seen it that i was a child when i saw this i know you're talking it. about that's falcor it.
2: and he's not a dog he's a luck dragon
3: <laughs> okay see uh, and the whole time as a child i thought that was a big-ass labrador okay all right well oh, but it does gotta, it
2: does look like that
3: if it's like um, a dog
2: yes which is and that's also based on a book the never story which is which is a good book so we can right, we can gonna, make that one my number three number
3: all right three. i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna watch the labyrinth tonight. there you go Hopefully
2: There's a lot of it fantasy elements in yeah, I there.
1: I thought you would say Donnie Darko too.
2: Donnie yeah. Darko. Uh, yeah, that's. That I haven't seen that one in a long time.
1: Yeah, that's another that just came to my mind in my labyrinth. Another old school one. So great movies right. out there too. Uh, if you can, if you can bear with it and get through it, it's <laughs> worth it.
3: I'm gonna try this Don't labyrinth know. tonight. We'll see. I'll text you later about this, Frankie. Uh,
1: on, on that note, my um, mind. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and you know going through your labyrinth with us is a great journey and a great way to uh, get the week going. Um, we really appreciate it. Everyone knows uh, my name is Frank. You know where to find me at Reps underscore four underscore Responders. And uh, Big J, where can they find you at?
3: I am the Real Jumpman J. You can find me on Instagram at the Real Jumpman J. Um, my email should be in there too: J dot at Gmail. In case you need to reach me or any for any particular reason and lefa where can they find you
2: where can they find me so uh i'm on instagram everybody's favorite um is my my personal page um <laughs> mm-hmm. and unicorn strength training is my professional outlet um if people are okay. trying to get a hold of me either instagram is a pla- great place or my website uh, unicornstrength.com you can contact me there
3: awesome all right i love it Well, thank you for coming on the show it was truly insightful for me i mean i'm going to dissect this podcast uh, once we get off this and um we'll take some some cues from you and try to get my life in order
2: <laughs> and if you hate the movie just just let it go don't 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 worry too much
3: <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I won't hate it I just gotta I gotta buckle down and, and watch this thing
2: you just gotta get in the right mindset expect it to yes, be uh, heated, and then it'll just... be okay yeah well okay. thank you for having me this was a nice talk it's nice to meet you guys.
3: It was a
1: pleasure meeting you. You too. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Leifa.